Baseball's great charm is that the action comes in spurts, which leaves plenty of time to spin yarns, look at the girls, and make wisecracks. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Full Count Chaos. Another season of the Baltimore Orioles has started. People are starting to wear their orange and black everywhere they go because people are actually using the word playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Hey, why not? You know, the Orioles started out 4-1 and one, and they're going to continue to keep going. Are they going to shock the world? Are they going to go to the playoffs? Are they going to win it all with guys like Villar and Ruiz? <laughs> And uh, Chris Davis, is he still going to be on the team? Is he going to be able to pour champagne all over Brandon Hyde? Who knows? At this point, we're all just having fun. But before we get started, look, we're all sport fans. That's why you probably tune into the podcast. We probably all read the same blogs. We probably watch the same shows on TV. And we usually have a pretty good idea week to week, day to day, who's going to win. Football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, we have a pretty good idea. So you should do what I do. Head over to MyBookie Online. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site, very easy to use. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. All you have to do is use promo code armchair25 to activate the offer. So visit MyBookie online today. Again, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code armchair25 when creating your account because you can claim up to $1,000 in free play when you do it. You play, you win, you get paid. It's that easy, folks. It's that easy. Move on to some baseball. Hey, by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Section 336. Thank you very much for having me on BirdlandRadio.com last week so I could do my show live. Had a ton of fun. I miss doing radio live. I really do. I've, uh, you know, been on the radio. I've actually uh, done other internet shows. I've live casting. It's all fun. Doing it live, it's like a different kind of rush you get. You know, it's not like podcasts where if you just completely fuck up and you're like, oh, that's not right. I completely jacked that up. You just stop it and go back and fix it. Whatever. Live radio, you say it's done. It's over with. You can't go back and say, oops, please, you know, take that off the list of shit I said. So that was fun. I forgot how much I love doing live radio. And again, birdlandradio.com. They do it every year in the beginning of the season. So again, Section 336 Podcast, thank you very much for having me on. I had a rough week. had a terrible week. I just need to vent with you guys for a little bit. Uh, Fucked my car up. Ran right into a light pole. Whoever invented light poles, go to hell. That light pole jumped out right in front of me. I go to the store. I get out, get in my car. I look down, and I'm always talking about people who drive and look at their phone. I can't stand that. I love it. I've heard of uh, police officers pulling people over, seeing them on their phone, and they sock them with a big old fine, and they should. I get every now and then everyone glances at their phone, but I've seen people just down the highway for a solid 10 seconds. They don't even look up. But anyway, I get in my car, put it in drive, and I forgot that I parked right in front of a fucking pole. And I didn't hit the gas yet. I just let off the brake, and that's all it took. Boom, right into the pole. Fuck the fender up, push it into the tire, leaking fluids everywhere. Just not a good day. Not a good night. I'm in a rental. (laughs) 
than my uh, mother-in-law. I know, you know, you don't know me personally, so you probably are like, who gives a shit about your personal life? But I'm just venting. I'm just trying to, I'm using you guys as therapy. Having my mother-in-law for a surprise party over my house, it's her birthday, it's a big 7-0. We clean up, takes us about five hours to clean the house. I love it. When every time every time we clean, it's my wife doesn't want people to know we own shit. I don't I don't get that. <laughs> I'll never understand that. We have a lot of shit, a lot of nice shit, but if people are coming over, shove it in the closet. Can't let them know we own a mirror. Can't let them own, know we own more than three chairs in the house. Anyway, so five hours of cleaning on Saturday, helping my wife because I get on the uh, the good list. You know what I mean? I can I can use that for an emergency. Hey, the guys and I are going to go out for a week straight. Remember when I helped you clean the house for five hours? So we're cleaning. Everything's done. The gla- huge glass table on my deck out back. Very expensive. Very windy. The umbrella in the middle of the glass table, which probably is not a good idea. I mean, there was a hole for an umbrella. This umbrella was about 500 pounds. Just completely tipped over. Boom. Glass everywhere. It took me about two and a half hours. Because when glass shatters into tiny pieces on a deck, you got to get a flathead screwdriver and dig out those shards of glass. Had a shop vac. Nothing worked. Pain in the ass. My wife cuts off the tip of her finger. I cut off the tip of my thumb. (laughs) Trying to clean up the shit. Other accidents were happening. It was a rough week. And I've always learned over the years, I don't know if it's learned or I just have, uh, you know, part of my superstitious, weird personality, never say, oh my God, what else could happen? What else is going to happen? I'm just superstitious. You know, you see it in the movies, see it even in cartoons. What else could happen? And then a big fucking uh, one ton brick falls on their head. So I said it after the glass shatter. I said, what the hell else is going to happen here? I go, I crashed my car. Here I have it. So, <laughs> it's been a rough week. Hopefully, and the Orioles have actually helped out with the week. They're uh, Right now, as I'm doing the podcast, they have a winning record. They're 4-3. and three. I was happy about that. Hope you enjoyed your opening day. I didn't get to go out there this year. A lot of friends, everybody I saw posting on Facebook and social media. Look at me. I'm at opening day. Look at me. So, I look like everybody just had a great time. I know Massing went live on Facebook. He gave me some alerts so for like... Two minutes I watched Jim Hunter introduce, I don't know, a bunch of people who's involved in some uh, charity that I've never heard of. Anyway, there was about 40% filled in Camden Yards. And it was about 20 minutes before the game. But it looked like during the game, obviously, towards the end is when I got to catch it. I was running all over the place that day, going to TV, to TV, to radio, to TV. That was a rough game. But... (laughs) The uh, the Oriole fans that I'm talking to, they expected a bad season. They Everybody came into the season knowing it was going to be rough maybe two, three years. Obviously, you're a sports fan, so you're hoping not. You're hoping they win it all the first year. They win the World Series, and we never have to wait. But now that they won, they started the, uh, the first five games four and one. Nobody expected them going to New York and take the uh, series. Nobody expected them to go into Toronto and take the series. You're sitting there going, holy shit. Orioles are 4-1 and one right now. It's just sports. It's just what happens. But now, now they're 4-3. and three. They lost two in a row. Lost the last game to Toronto. Still got the series. Then they come home. They're winning 4-1. to one. Alex Cobb's going into the sixth inning. There's two outs, two strikes. You're thinking, holy hell. These guys are going to be 5-2. and one, five and two. 
They're going to take the home opener in Baltimore when everybody thought that playing the Yankees, it was going to be 12-1 to 1 by the you know fifth inning if the Orioles could even score one. And here we are about to take it. They lose, but it's funny that fans now of the Orioles are, the old feelings are coming back really quick. Everybody prepared themselves for a shitty-ass season. And I'm still preparing myself. I, I got a little excited. Four and one, four and two. Hey, after seven ga- uh, yeah, seven games, the Orioles are, have a winning record. After seven, I, I truly thought, I'm not just trying to be dramatic, I thought they would be 0-7 after seven games. Nope, they're four and three with a winning record. But what's funny, they, they start off with a winning record and all those old feelings come back. Boom, quick. It's like you finally get over your ex-girlfriend or your ex-boyfriend, whoever the hell you are. And you know, look, all right, I, I look, I know life's going to be without this person. That's fine. I can move on and live my life. I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden you see him again and those old feelings come up. You start hoping that you guys are going to get back together. You're hoping everything's going to be fine again. Maybe you'll get together and you'll get married and have kids. But just about a week ago, you moved on. You knew that life was going to be without him. You knew that it was just going to have to be that way. It's like with the Orioles. (laughs) I know it's only seven games. But friends of mine, we all came up with, look, we all came up with the assumption it's going to be a long couple years. After this first week, all those old feelings come back. Holy hell, these guys might actually do it. Maybe they're actually really good. Maybe the management, the coaches, they know how to work with these players. We have speed on the bases. And all the old feelings come up again. And when the Orioles started blowing it like Castro and Mike Wright, who needs to get the fuck off this team, they start blowing it and I'm getting the old text again. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm seeing on Twitter, unfucking believable Worst team. What is Hyde doing? Hyde's already blown it in the first week. Bringing out the wrong pitch. All the old emotions come up. All that patience goes right out the window. And I'm going to pat myself on the back because even when I was witnessing all this winning and all this great shit happening, I even just kept laughing, saying, could be a fluke. I was a guest on a podcast the other night. They were actually Yankee fans. It's a Spurtability podcast. They do a baseball podcast. It's not about a specific team. It's all over. And they're Yankee fans. And, they, and apparently, <laughs> I found out that they were going to have me on to just basically point and laugh at me how we got beat so bad against the Yankees, and that kind of backfired. Really nice guys. I mean, I'm just fucking around right now. They weren't literally going to do that, but I think they had kind of switched things up a little bit when they realized, oh, shit, they just beat the Yankees in New York two out of three. Switch it up a little bit. But I want to thank those guys for having me on. That was fun. It's always fun talking baseball with the Yankee fans, especially when you go to New York and beat them two out of three. But I just think Oriole fans now are, are a little... Uh, Back to the old routine of being like, well, this isn't going to work if you're trying to get to the playoffs and win it all. No, we're not. That's not what we're trying to do. But if it happens, fantastic. (laughs) So I was enjoying all the tweets, all the emails that I was getting from friends and family, all the old emotions. A week before, the same people. Hey, look, we're just going to have fun. Baseball's back. I get it. They could be 0-15. It doesn't matter. I love my Orioles. Four, five, six games in. What the fuck is going on here? (laughs) I love it. Can't get enough of it. And I miss Gary Thorne. Great to hear his voice again. He, again, reminds me every year that he gives zero shits when calling a game. He pays 0% attention to when calling the game, and it's getting worse. Sucre was up in Toronto. Forget which game it was. It's a line drive to right field. Base hit. 
Gary Thorne, two seconds later, goes on and on about how that was the biggest Baltimore chopper he has ever seen. He thought the ball hit the ground and bounced out to right field. You're a moron! And of course, there's Mike Bordick. Awkward situation. He's not going to say anything. So there's a little bit of awkward silence in between. And you know, at that split second, Mike Bordick's thinking, should I say something? Because they don't say anything about the pitches. He's way off. He used to, you know, get about 50% of the pitches right and wrong. Now it's... I don't know, 5%. You know, if it's a fastball, curveball, changeup, Gary Thorne. No, he always just calls the opposite. Not paying attention. And you can always tell that awkward silence. Palmer, Bordick, whoever it is trying to think, should I correct them? And they don't. <laughs> they, they don't. They let it go. So the Orioles beat the Yankees last week. Two out of three. Nobody, nobody knew that was going to happen. I even hear people, I knew I knew they were going to go to New York. I'm surprised they didn't sweep them. No, you didn't. Shut up. Sports media, everybody had shit all over their face talking about how bad this series was going to be for the Orioles, how it was going to be record-breaking numbers of home runs and base hits, and it's going to be the worst numbers that the Orioles have ever had for pitching. It was bad. I mean, all week, that's what we heard. And they go in, they win two out of three, and after the game, after the series, I loved it. had so much fun reading the Yankee fans' tweets. They were hilarious, acting like life was over. Yankee friends were even texting me, <laughs> talking about, you know, everything that's wrong with the Yankees and how they need to clean house, you know, calm down there, Spike, relax. <laughs> so I had to, I was looking at some of the tweets just laughing. I mean, I think I was doing this for like an hour. I know, I need to get a life. We're laughing at Yankee fans' tweets for an hour, but it was fantastic. Just reading about how much they feel life is over after three games. But here's a tweet that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, This kid's name, John. I say kid. He could be like 80 years old. He says, three worst things in life. Death, taxes, and Yankees somehow losing to the absolutely terrible Baltimore Orioles team that all other teams beat with ease. (laughs) He says, this Orioles team has an over-under of 54 games, has multiple guys that were in double-A last year, and their best hitter is Trey Mancini. This is an inexcusable series. Then the Yankee fans start arguing with each other back and forth. I mean, some of the tweets had like 180 responses just on one tweet of replying to somebody else. It was a shit show. It was such a fun circus to watch. All night. <laughs> And then when we're the the Orioles were beating the Yankees four to one, you know four to two in the sixth inning. Again, there it is. Life is over. All the tweets come out, and then the Yankees go up and they're all tweeting. That's right. We're not going to be embarrassed anymore. Ugh. I don't know why I get involved in that shit. That, I, I understand now. I see so many people getting so many Twitter arguments, and I can understand because these people just drive me crazy. But I can't get enough of it. Uh, so going over the games this week, Monday, they were in Toronto. They uh, did win that game. Villar's lead off, uh, th- his lead from first base the other night in Toronto was was freaking hilarious. I mean, that guy is fun to watch run the bases. He's going to steal a lot of bases. I mean, Thorne, as crazy as he is, he just starts doing his, his nutty laugh. <laughs> they just couldn't believe how far Villar was leading off of first, and it was. It was crazy. You know, the last time the Orioles had a fast runner was Nate McLeod. Guy looks like he works at a skate shop, I always used to think. But they are up 5 to nothing in Monday before Toronto even knew it hit them. Bunch of kids I love with the uh, the beer cart. They threw Hyde in the cart, <laughs> drenched him with beer. 
Who did they put in? I can't remember uh, they, they which pitcher who had the save. I think it was Means. They put him in the cart. They drenched him for his first save ever. Pretty sure it was Means. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But, they, you know, the Orioles, they just keep hearing how bad they're supposed to be. So they're out there having fun. And when they do well, it, it, it's 1,000%, you know, more of a high than if you're just, you know, your average team winning games. David Hess, that was... <laughs> On Monday, that was a big thing everybody was talking about, getting pulled during the no-hitter. I understand the decision. Even when he walked out, I understood it. But what did I do? I went right on Twitter. I had to see the shit show of everybody getting involved. Even Jason Lockenfora, who I follow on Twitter. I like him. He's a good dude. (laughs) He's a diehard local fan. A lot of people think he's a nut. But he's on there sending, you know, just 20 tweets at a time about how stupid that was of Hyde taking him out. But I understood, again, my father, who used to pitch back in the day, texted me and said, that was the right decision. It's exactly what he was supposed to do. Young kid, take him out. Don't ruin his career just to get a no-hitter. Yes, I'm going to I'm gonna say uh, having a no-hitter over ruining your career, don't want to do it. Everybody was just up in arms. How in the hell are you going to take this kid out? He's got a no-hitter. He was in like 80. No matter what the pitch count was, they were going to take him out and as silly as it sounds, you know Hyde's going, man, I'm going to take him out no matter what. Just hope he's not pitching a no-hitter. And, of course, that's what he does. Again, there's not going to be any manager who's going to admit they were worried he was going to pitch a no-hitter. But no matter what it was, no matter the situation, he was going out getting above 80 pitches. Already pitched Thursday. I think he threw like 45 pitches that day. So, you know, smart move. Frustrating move because everybody wants to witness a, a no-hitter, especially a guy like David Hess. But then the relievers come in. Oh, God. They come in after David Hess. I mean, everybody's already upset enough as it is because you're like, I I could have witnessed a no-hitter. And it was very funny because Toronto fans, they started booing when I had started walking out to get Hess. As terrible as the Blue Jay fans are, they were even upset. They were hoping to witness a no-hitter as well. And uh, he comes walking out, brings out a Rujo. Now, again, you know, he took Hess out, but you could still witness a no-hitter. All right, because it doesn't matter how many pitchers you bring in, if there's no hits at the end of nine, that's called a no-hitter. So you're thinking, all right, Arujo comes in, who's just god-awful, and they released him. He shits the bed. Before you know it, it's like five to three. <laughs> they released him, and they bring up Matt Weatherspoon. I don't know if I pronounced that right. They didn't bring him in the game. I'm just saying they brought him up. I think Matt actually pitched on Wednesday night. And I felt bad for the kid, kind of felt bad for the family, because when he came out in Toronto, his family obviously came out to see him. I think it was his sister, his, his it looks, I think his brother, his dad, his mom. I thought that's who it was. But Sarah uh, Perlman goes down in the uh, in the stands. It, it, they're like front row tickets they have, <laughs> and they're interviewing him. Now the the dad's almost in tears. You, it looks like the mom's getting choked up, and this is why Matt's out there pitching. And the father's just like, this is unbelievable. You know, I never thought we'd witness this. He's getting teary-eyed <laughs> as they're interviewing him. And he's like, this is just a, a dream come true. Boom, base hit. Boom, home run. You know, the mom's getting choked up. I can't believe. Boom, base hit. Boom, base hit. It's like, oh, my God. It was like a one-run game going into the ninth. And this kid comes out <laughs> and just starts blowing shit up. Just shit in the bed. I think after a while, Sir uh, Perlman was like, okay. Well, good luck. Uh, happy to hear from you. <laughs> Glad to see you guys are happy as she's walking away. Boom, base hit. Boom, base hit. It's like, oh, boy. 
that was a little embarrassing. I don't know if the kid, who knows what's going to happen with that kid. I mean, since 2016, the ZRA has been under three. And it looks like he's got a good track record. <laughs> but interviewing the family, he's just shit in the bed. Tuesday's game, Cashner looked really good. I was happy with what I saw. Six innings pitch, four hits, zero runs, three strikeouts, three walks. Those walks, man. God dang it. Come on, work on them. But I was very happy to see he was throwing 96. And he was up against Stroman. A lot of emotion, but major douchebag. I know it seems like I call a lot of players douchebags that aren't on the Orioles. But Stroman, I'm not the only one. He's loud mouth. He's always seemed like he's mouthing off, barking to other players when it's unnecessary. He's doing that little shimmy shake dance on the mound because apparently he's thinking he's throwing off the batters when he's just just showboating. He's always pumping his fist, big strikeouts. He yells back at the batter and takes it personal. Like, you know, how dare you try to hit my fastball? It's very obnoxious. He runs out on the field when uh, his team's batting. Starts shouting at another player who did something they didn't like. He's just, I don't know, just act like you've been there. So another reason why I'm not a fan of Stroman, we're playing him the other night. Villar's on second. Very aggressive lead because Villar likes to steal bases. Stroman's just mugging him, giving him a look, and he eventually throws him out. It was a good pickoff move. But again, throws him out, act like you've been there, but he starts running his mouth. I couldn't read his lips, but I could tell, you know, he, he kept... His head kept following Villar as he was walking back to the dugout, just yelling at him like he was angry, like he was leading off a second. I, I, that's douche, douchey to me. You got him out. Congratulations. Act like you've been there and, and start pitching. So seeing the Orioles beat up on Stroman was fantastic. I mean, not beat up, but we won. And Rock tweeted, Rock Abaco tweeted out, it's the second time since saves became official in 1969 that any team has had four different players record a save in the first five games of a season. 1991 Padres also did it. So that was pretty cool. Look, Orioles are breaking records. <laughs> or, I mean, uh, going in the history books, I mean. Uh, Wednesday, of course, the Orioles lost. Toronto. Uh, then you get to opening day. There's Cobb. Had a good day. Five, uh, two-thirds inning pitch, four strikeouts, one walk. That was great. Two runs. You know, again, it's just frustrating giving up two strike home runs. Two strikes, two outs. One swing away from getting out of the inning. I know it's easier said than done. I get it. I don't play Major League Baseball. It's 4-1. to one. He gives a home run up to Gary Sanchez, 4-2. to two. When Cobb comes out and Mike Wright comes in, I think we all knew it was going to happen. He didn't even get an out, obviously, because he came in and there's two outs. Entire bullpen sucks ass. He gives up a three-run home run. And then Castro comes in later that day, and that's when it just all hell broke loose. And I'm giving Castro a pass because I've seen when he pitches and when he's on, and it's filthy. Mike Wright is just awful, doesn't have an out pitch. I love Sucre behind the plate because you can see he gets irritated. He gets annoyed when the pitchers don't put it in the target. And when Mike Wright gave up that home run, I think Sucre wanted it down below, below the knees, and boom, as soon as it took off on the bat, Sucre stood up took off his helmet and I don't think he uh, threw it on the ground I think he still had it in his hand but it looked like he was about to throw his mask on the ground he's just angry he was upset Mike Wright had a great spring training spring spring training doesn't mean shit Mike Wright he's gotta go he's terrible he's never proven himself the only time he's proven himself is spring training in 2019 but who cares 
Jake Fox proved himself. I keep bringing up his name all the time, but he's probably I've never seen anything like that. He hits like 100 home runs in spring training, gets on base at like an average of 500 after like 30 at-bats in spring training and then shits the bed. Who cares what happened? He doesn't play baseball anymore. Mike Wright, goodbye. Bullpen's in trouble. The Orioles' bullpen, 13th in the American League in ERA. Opening day, three innings pitched and six earned runs by the bullpen. That's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your day and opening day. I did have a friend send me a text. Said, yep, walked up on somebody, passed out on the street. Anytime you go to opening day, you always pass one or two of them. Had his Orioles gear on. You said he had his hat on. And uh, he was just laying there. Looked like uh, he's been drinking since 7 o'clock in the morning. I have a lot of friends that went down. They started at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's a long day. It's a very long day. It's like a football game. You know, you wake up, you get down there about 8 a.m. You usually don't get back until 8 at night, and that's if it's a 1 o'clock game. So I'd love to hear from you. Any opening day stories that you have, love hearing about those stories. Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, one thing I was talking about when I was live on birdlandradio.com, and by the way, I apologize because when I was in that room with the camera on me, I had about a you know 70-inch TV in front of me. I had all these other TVs of chat rooms. I had my phone buzzing. You know, it was overwhelming. So I apologize if you are trying to get my attention on one of those chat rooms pertaining. I, I just... <laughs> I probably botched that. I'm sure somebody was trying to chime in. I didn't because when I walked out, I got up and I was like, oh, man, I didn't know that was people interacting with me. There's like another smaller TV over to the left. I just didn't see it. So I apologize if you're like, hey, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to interact. I, I'm sorry. I just didn't see it. But one thing I talked about uh, was the umpires. I, I talk about this all the time and I'm getting fed up with it. And so is a lot of people. And there's been a discussion for a long time. And it sounds like it, it possibly the league is looking into it further and further. And it'd be fantastic if it, if it finally came around. But the umpires should not be calling balls or strikes. I feel like I want to bring this up every freaking week on the show. But again, that would just bore you guys here in the same bullshit. But I forgot. I remember two years ago on HBO, they put out a documentary called Man vs. Machine. If you haven't seen it, take a look. It's pretty interesting. And if you're somebody who's convinced themselves, that's ah, just baseball. That's the way baseball's been. You know, they have a tough job. Just let them be. Take a look at this. Because a Major League Baseball, they claim that the umpires call 97% of balls and strikes correctly. They're always backing their guys up. And why not? They're, they're employees. You have their back. Good for you. But according to HBO, the study showed that only about 88% of calls were accurate. Now, some of you, even if it was 97%, let's say that. Let's say they did a study, they realized it was only ni- it was 97, and people would be sitting here going, hey, that's pretty damn good. No, it should be at 100%. Get it right until it's at 100%. But then the study that they did showed that it was 88%. 88! Roughly one of every eight pitches were called incorrectly. If you're doing the math, that adds up to more than 30,000 bogus balls or strikes each season. I don't know how the hell this league can just sit there and watch this happen year after year. They, they see the same bad calls. And one of the umpires who was interviewed on this documentary 
said that after the game, they would knock on the door, hand him a CD, basically show how well they did with their balls and strikes, and he says he'd just throw it in the trash. So those of you who are like, well, after the game, you know, they, they get told what they did right and wrong. Not really. Because this umpire was like, I don't give a shit about that. I throw it in the trash. Who's going to tell me, you know, it's the hardest job in the world, blah, blah, whatever the hell his excuse was. I just don't know how the hell this league can make sure that every call is right with replays, but with balls and strikes, they just shrug their shoulders and say, ah, screw it. Most important call in any sport, in my opinion, balls and strikes. 88%, even 97%. That's not 100%. And, you know, managers getting away with asking Umps to review, even when they don't have any reviews left, drive me up the wall. I think they changed that this year, but that's how much they want. The, the league wants to get things right. What I mean by that is when you're at a reviews, you probably remember John Gibbons for the Blue Jays who, who managed him last year. He used to do that all the time. The game would take forever because every play... He'd be out of reviews like by the second inning. But a close play would happen, and he would walk up to the umpires and say, hey, that was pretty close. Why don't you guys give it a review? And they would go, okay. You should drive me crazy. You're out of reviews. What are you doing? What are you doing letting them come up to you and convince you to review a play? But why did they do it? Because they wanted to get the play right. They felt it was fair. So why are you letting this happen with the balls and strikes? And I still see old school sport writers putting articles out there saying it's more complicated than you think to use radars, blah, blah. Shut the F up. No, it's not. Okay, when you're 85 years old writing about baseball, of course you're going to be like, what the hell are these things called radars? It's very complicated. It's 2019. Technology is everywhere, and it's, it's and these kids go to school just to figure shit out like this. So I'm sure if they started doing it, and right off the bat, it wasn't 100%. It might be at 99.8%. It's a lot better than what the hell is happening right now. Change it! For God's sakes, change it. Make the game 100% fair. As much as you can, I mean, I get it. There are going to be times in any sport where it's not going to be completely fair. Ask Saint fans, they'll tell you. Oof. But if you can help it, use the technology that will help you. Pull your heads out of your asses and do the right thing. Come on. Make baseball a lot better, right? Your ratings, always hearing about how they're going down. Maybe that will help. A lot coming up in the next month or so, next couple weeks. Going to be giving away free tickets. I guess uh, there's no such thing as giving away tickets that you buy, so that was kind of dumb to say. Um, and guests coming up. Eric from Barstool Sports probably does about 50 podcasts a day, but I like having him on because he brings the energy. He brings the comedy and he keeps up. Uh, some other random guests coming on. And just some other new stuff that's going to be coming up on the show in the next couple weeks. So, again, I appreciate you tuning in. Till next time. See you.